I'm uh, Danny's opening act, just to get the crowd warmed up, you know, that sort of thing. Ha, ha, ha. I'm so glad you laughed. <laughs> We're off to a good start, dear. Don't wreck this. Um, well, we are here, and it's still, we're still trying to wrap our minds around it. We had a wonderful, amazing, blessed years, uh, seven years in Turkey. And to say that you guys were partners, I mean, it was so much more than that. Um, I have to admit, you guys have had a real special place in our heart in these years, because I think you have so many of the same, God's put so much of the same things in your hearts as well, that we see you doing just here in Muscha, with how you reach out to your community and your neighbors, and, and even beyond that. Uh, we're blessed by you guys, and you have motivated us, and prayed for us, and given to us just in abundance, and Turkey has changed. Turkey is absolutely um, I mean, waking up to God because of the prayers and the investments that you've put into that country and into us specifically. So we really just cannot thank you enough. It wasn't easy leaving Turkey, um, but we do feel over the past number of years some things that God has really uh, built up in our foundation. There were two main things. One was abide, the importance of abiding in Christ, and we see that so much. Nothing starts without being in his presence. And your guys' prayers just continued and, and contributed to that. And the other thing was that, you know, we have to decrease so that he can increase. We're part of a, a big picture. And us stepping out of Turkey, we've really felt was a part of that big picture. And we are very excited that there are actually many people who have now made commitments and are on the road to moving to Turkey and other unreached places. I mean, for us, little family that goes, I think there's nine ish more people who are on a path to continue the work in Turkey, uh, which is very exciting. Some of you might know Maureen and Wendell Quincy. Any hallelujahs? I see that hand. Okay. <laughs> uh, they're some of the ones who are uh, making way and putting things together to make that move. So for those of you who are still interested in supporting the ministry in Turkey, uh, we're not breaking ties with them whatsoever, but there are new people that could really use your support and your prayers. So if you're interested in continuing on with that, please talk to us after. Uh, we would love to build those people up to you. All right, Danny, I think they're ready. All right, here's Mr. DeLong. Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, should we pray? Let's pray. Yeah, oh, we got an excited prayer, okay. Uh, hey, Jesus, thanks for hanging out with us. You know, <laughs> we have nowhere else better to be today. That's why we're here. But you could be anywhere, <laughs> hanging out with whoever you want, and you choose to hang out with us. That's awesome. I thank you for that, Lord. I pray this morning that you would use whatever words here to touch hearts in the way that you want. If they're wrong about you or what, that you would just even change them as they come out of my mouth, we want you to speak. We want to hear from you this morning. We just say thank you, Father. We love you. Amen. Uh, so I've titled this morning's sermon as The Masterpiece. Uh, let's set the bar high, right? You know? It's just going to be a masterpiece this morning. Uh, if you know me at all, uh, I've been here a few times. You're probably not going to get a lot of theology from this morning. That's Pastor Steve's job. He'll bring it to you next week. Don't worry about it. Uh, you're going to get a number of stories. And we've been workers in Turkey for a number of years, and we thought, you've supported us. Why don't we just come and share what God has done? And you could hear a bit about that. So we're going to talk about that a bit this morning. Uh, but again, maybe some of you don't know me. Uh, so I thought, just by way of introduction, I would say uh, who I am. I have this sort of insatiable desire 
to be known as a good communicator. Uh, it's unhealthy. <laughs> it's birthed out of insecurity in my life. I want you to think I'm really funny. Uh, that's part of this. And, but not just funny, but also that at the end of that, I would just bring the word of God home. So I need that. Uh, it doesn't matter how many of you at the end of this sermon would say that was really good. In fact, you could say that's the best I've ever heard, far better than our pastor. That'd be nice. I would take that. It, it actually doesn't help fill this need in me. I'm insecure, I guess, is what I'm saying. I, that's the start as you're getting to know me. Uh, that's part of who I am. Uh, I am uh, completely uneducated. You're, yeah, you're welcome. I've never gone to university. I never went to Bible college even. I did a few courses. I wouldn't say I did well at them, but I did them. And along with my lack of education, highly opinionated. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I kind of wear that as a badge of honor. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a part of the system. I'm better than the system. I didn't need to be trained. And look at my opinions. They're uneducated, but really good. Yeah, that's, that's me. Um, I'm pretty easygoing, and I deflect hard times into humor. And because of that, people sort of would look at me and say, man, nothing gets to him. You know, he's just laughing at all these hard things. And th- I would say that that was true about me. But over this pandemic last couple years, I really struggled with my mental health. Which if you would have asked me before the pandemic, Danny, do you have mental health issues? I said, no. In fact, I wouldn't even have related in with people with mental health issues. I just didn't struggle with that at all. And I actually didn't even think I could. But I really did over the last couple years. And so not thinking I could, I I also struggle with pride. Anybody want to leave yet this morning? We're still here, right? I would also say I struggle a lot to hear the voice of the Lord. You'll probably hear this morning me say something like, God told us. Uh, What that really means is, I hope God told me. But I'm not 100%. And it's Christianese, and it comes back to this idea that I want you to think me more spiritual than I am. And so I use these Christian terms like, yeah, God told me, and God directed us. And and those are, lies is the wrong word, but definitely an exaggeration. You ready? Let's look at this. James chapter 5 and verse 17 says this. Do you want to go to the next slide? I think it's up there. It says, Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. I think when we read this, we think, yeah, he was a man. Like he had skin and bones. When he cut himself, he would bleed. He would walk something like this. I mean, maybe more cool way, but you know what I mean? Like, he, you know, he was a guy. And what we don't think is Elijah was a man like me with mental health issues. A guy who actually struggled to hear the voice of the Lord. And yet as we read his story, we see that throughout Kings, don't we? I mean, this is a guy who raised people from the dead. And yet he he was a guy just like me. Like he, he probably had less education than I do. That's a little scary. He's a guy just like you, a mess. Can we use that word for ourselves? Like a bit of a mess. That's who Elijah was. And yet when he prayed for three and a half years that it didn't rain, it didn't. Let's put a pin in this idea. We're going to come back. I want to tell a bunch of stories, okay? Is that okay? Can I tell a few? 
Oh, we don't like the, you guys want the theology. That's not what you're getting from me this morning. You're getting these stories whether you like them or not. So here's our, our, our goal in Turkey. There's, there's 80 million people that live there and very, very few Christians at all. And so we didn't want to just come plant one church because we could do that. And maybe we'd, ha- we'd gather a few people and it would be really cool. But Turkey wouldn't be saved from that. What we really wanted was a multiplication of churches. Does that make sense? So not just plant one that we gathered and we huddled, but we wanted to plant churches that really were outward looking from their very DNA. We wanted to see people come to faith who immediately would be people who would lead their friends to faith. Not bring their friends to the thing we started, although if they did, that'd be great, but really people who would learn how to disciple others. The idea was multiplication. Do we understand that? So that was the whole idea from the very beginning. In Christian terms, it was disciples who make disciples, okay? And so we had this guy, his name is Ozger. Uh, one of the things we did, how Ozger connected with us, he would, we had websites that you could order the New Testament, and we would send it to you for free. And so Ozger went out to one of our websites. He ordered the New Testament. We sent it out to him. Last year, we sent out almost 24,000 New Testaments. That's quite a few, eh? Are you excited about that number? Oh, thank you. Thank you. If we send out 24,000 New Testaments every single year, for 80 million Turks to get the New Testament would take over 3,000 years. Oh, all of a sudden that number doesn't feel as good, does it? This is why multiplication was important. Do we see that, how that had to work? Because 24,000, even though it's a huge number, is nowhere near big enough. Anyway, I digress. So Osger ordered a New Testament from us, and he lived in a city and it, that had literally no churches. It was about 250,000 people, maybe, maybe about the size of Saskatoon. No churches. As far as I knew, not a single Christian in the whole city. Okay? And he sends, and I send him a message. Hey, I saw that you ordered a Bible from us. And he's like, yeah, I did. And I said, would you like us to come to your city and we could just show you how to read the Bible? And he's like, well, that would be amazing. And we said, great. We said, I'll be there in a couple weeks. He said, perfect. And a few weeks later, we drive out to a city. It was about three hours from where we lived. And we're sitting in a coffee shop and he shows up and we say hello and we start chatting a bit. And then I said, hey, did you get a chance to start reading that New Testament? He's like, yeah, I finished it. What do you mean you finished it? He said, I read the whole thing. I said, you got it two weeks ago. He's like, yeah, I read it. And he said, it didn't work. (laughs) What do you mean it didn't work? He's like, well, like I read it and nothing happened. Nothing changed. It didn't work. And see, this is a common thing. In fact, Christians even get this idea that just reading the Bible is enough. We kind of sing this song, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. That's only partially true. See, the Bible isn't meant to be a magic book that if you just read the words, it's enough. You could read through the, when you're having hard times, we'll say, you know, go read this verse. And you could read the verse, but innately, the verse probably isn't enough. There are times where a verse just speaks to you because God, it's his living word and he can do that. But most of the time, what the Bible actually is, it's a lamp to a path that leads to God. And so you turn the lamp on by reading it. But if you don't walk down the path, you don't get to the Lord. Does that make sense? Like it, it's integral in the process, but it imply, it needs you to apply it to your life. Do you see how that works? So I say to Osgur, he's like, I'm like, it's not a magic book. You actually have to do what it says. You can't just read the words. And he's like, well, how do you mean? What do you mean? And so then we, I said, listen, why don't we read a little part together and we'll show you what we do. 
And so we do a little Bible study in this coffee shop together. And all it involved was asking a couple of simple questions of how can I apply what I've learned to my life? And so we teach him how to do this. And we say, listen, over the next couple of weeks, why don't you try to do this? Not just read the whole thing, although I'm glad you did that. And for context of the scripture, that was really important. But why don't now you just take some little chunks and actually try to say, how can I live out the truth of the word of God today? And he says, okay, I, I guess I can try that. And we leave. Two weeks later, I sent him a message. Hey, how's it going, man? He's like, good. I said, we're coming by again. Would you like to meet for coffee? He's like, please, that'd be great. And we show up, we sit down. We're like, how's it going? He's like, it is incredible. So what do you mean? He's like, well, like I'm in. What do you mean you're in? He's like, well, I want to be a Christian now. Can you baptize me? I'm like, okay, something's worked here. What, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I just started applying this and just exactly like we talked about. And he's like, actually, what I've, what I've seen in scripture is it's not even just for me, but it's for all my friends as well. So do you have more Bibles I can give to my friends to help them see this truth too? Because that's what Christians should do. And we're like, yeah. We do, and so we give him three more Bibles. And he's like, three? He's like, I have lots of friends. And we're like, oh, well, I only brought three. And he's like, bring more. Over the next month, we give him 30 Bibles. And he just starts, he lives in a university dormitory. And so he just starts reading with all his friends. And not just reading again, but like showing them like, this is the word of God. And it needs to be listened to and obeyed. And so how do you do that? And teaching them to apply it to their lives. And eventually he writes us and he's like, one of my friends just became a believer. You need to come and show him how to walk with Christ. And we're like, no. I know what you're thinking. That, wasn't that your job? Yeah, yeah, it was my job. And I said, no, I said, Oscar, you know how to do that. You teach him how to follow God, just like we taught you how to follow God. And, he's, and we would help him, of course, and we're sending him texts and tell, why don't you read this scripture with that guy and walk with him. He's like, and so he starts doing this. He starts discipling this other guy. And eventually he's like, man, my friend wants to be baptized, just like you baptized me. Come on out and baptize my friend. I'm so excited. And we're like, no, you baptize him. And a couple weeks later, he writes us a message. I baptized him. I find, and this was the first time this idea of multiplication happened for us, where a guy who we were discipling really discipled another person to become a baptized believer in Christ. And I was absolutely over the moon. I mean, you guys aren't excited about this. But I was. This was the first time it had happened. We were like, wow, God, you're doing it. And why aren't you excited? Because multiplication and addition look very similar at the beginning. Two plus two is four. Two times two is four. They're divergent ideas, but at the beginning they look the same. So one guy leading one guy to the Lord, baptizing one guy, that seems like what my little church should be doing. And it is. But the idea is now that guy and this guy together, they'll lead two more. And then there's four. Do you, do you see the multiplication idea of this? We're really excited. All right, I got a better story since you didn't like that one. <laughs> I got lots. Which one do I want to tell? Oh, this is a good one. So our lists, they, we, we've been giving out the Bible for years and years and years. And no one had contacted most of the people who got the Bibles. And so our lists go back, some of them like 15 years. People who got the Bible 15 years ago and had never been contacted. And during the pandemic, we thought, why don't we go to the back end of the list and start texting people who got the Bible a long time ago. Can you imagine today if 15 years ago you'd ordered something off Amazon, maybe a fan? 
And a guy sent you a text, hey, I'm working for Amazon, just wondering if you ever got that fan you ordered 15 years ago. You'd be like, who are you? That these are the texts I was sending out. Hey, I know you got a Bible 15 years ago. Did you ever receive it? And people were like, I don't, who are you? Uh, how did you get my number? Of course. Uh, I, this is no longer that person. Their phone number had changed. We literally texted people who had died. Uh, I, this is 15 years is a long time. Anyway, at one point I texted a guy, his name was Faraday. He had gotten the Bible 11 years ago at that point, about 14 years ago now. And I sent him a text, and I'd send a lot of these texts, so the replies I was used to and kind of getting bored with. And I sent him a text, hey, I know this is a crazy text, uh, but 11 years ago you ordered a Bible, just wondering if you ever got it. And he's like, I am reading it right now with my neighbor, and he wants one. Can you come bring, can, can you send me one to, to give to him? I'm like, what? This is amazing. I'm like, listen, I'll, I'll come to your city. It was about two hours from where I lived. I'm like, I'll come to your city, and I'll, I'll give you a Bible to give to your friend. In fact, he can come and meet. We can all meet together. He's like, you would do that? I said, yeah, of course. And so we drive out to his city a couple hours away. We're sitting in this coffee shop, him, his friend. We got the Bible. We give his friend the Bible. We're like, what happened? Like, you got this 11 years ago. Why are you still reading it? And he pulls out his New Testament, and it was well-worn. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it was used. Maybe he'd thrown it in the water a few times, but I don't really, but it looked like he'd been reading it, if you know what I'm saying. And so I'm like, what happened? And he's like, man, I read this, and I just saw truth in the scripture, and I fell in love with Jesus. And I'm like, okay, good start. I like this. And he's like, and then I started reading with my family, and they love Jesus. And my neighbor, like this guy, he started to love Jesus. I'm like, this is crazy. And so then we just keep talking, and I'm like, hey, man, have you ever thought about baptism? Like, there's lots of parts in the New Testament that talk about baptism, and he starts to cry in this coffee shop. And he says, for 11 years, all I've wanted to do is be baptized. He said, I've sat in my bathtub many times and thought, can I just baptize myself? He said, I've just never met anyone who could baptize me before. I'm like, hey, man, I could baptize you if you want. And he's like, I would just love that. And then he starts talking about, like, I just need more education in the scripture. And in many ways he did because he, ha- he actually never knew the Old Testament was a thing. I actually told him, have you ever read this? He's like, there's more? Like, yeah, it's really good too. You, you can read that as well. So he, he was lacking education in a sense. But then we were talking about, I'm like, you've actually been a believer in Christ for like 11 years. He's like, yeah. I said, well, many of the people who hung out with Jesus they like believed in him for like moments. They hung out with him for like three years. And then he just said, now go and do it. So I, we'll help you. Like we'll show you some stuff, but I think you're ready. And he's like, so like, and then we read the verse together. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. And you can see him just get it. He's like, what? That, so I'm, I have, a, I can access that power? I'm like, yeah. He said, Wow. A couple of weeks later, I, I, just, he, I get a text from him. He's like, you'll never guess what happened today. I'm like, what? And he's like, I, I was on FaceTime with my friend, and I was telling him about Jesus, and he starts manifesting a demon. I'm like, you're right. I, I don't believe this story. <laughs> oh, so you guys believed it. I didn't believe it. And I'm like, what'd you do? And he's like, well, I remembered that the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in me, and I remember that Jesus cast out demons, so I just said, Get out of that man. And the demon just left. I'm like, I really don't believe this story. Oh, you guys liked it. Good. I'm like, I don't believe you. (laughs) I'm a skeptic. 
He said, I'll send you the video. I recorded the whole conversation. And this guy's manifesting a demon, okay? And he kicks his demon out. Like, it's incredible. This guy just starts to grow in power and in deed with the word of Christ. One more story? Can we tell one more? Oh, okay, we're getting into it now. The last one, I promise, and then we'll, we'll try to bring this together into something. So we, we met this guy. Uh, his name was Emra. Same thing. He had ordered the Bible like three years before we met him. Send him a text, same deal. Hey, did you ever get this Bible? He's like, yeah. And we're like, we could come visit you. He's like, that would be incredible. He lived about three hours drive away from our house too. And uh, you want to throw up actually the next slide. It's got a bunch of pictures on it. Some of these guys are in those pictures that I've been talking about. There you go. So the guy I'm talking about right now, Emra, he's this guy crouching right here. See that guy? So he gets this Bible about three years ago. And, uh, well, five years ago now. But anyway, three years ago then. And he, I say, well, come visit you. We get to his little town. It's about three hours from where we lived. And we're sitting down. And I'm like, tell me your story. Like, what's happened? And he's like, well, three years ago, he actually lives. See this top right picture? That's a beautiful place, isn't it? That's the city he lives in. It's called Fetier. There are no Christians other than this guy. Well, at that point, I didn't think there were any when I first went to that city. You could move there and be a light for Christ. It's not very hard. It's right on the Mediterranean. It's really nice. <laughs> you should move there. Anyway, uh, so we're sitting in this coffee shop in that city with that guy. And I'm like, tell me your story. What happened? And he's like, well, okay, well, three years ago I got the Bible and I started to read it. And like, I, same thing as the other guy, like I've just fell in love with Jesus and I knew it was true. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, so what did you do? He's like, well, I was living at home with my mom and dad at the time. And it was about 27 at the time. And he said, I just started to be like, you guys need to read this and share with them. I'm like, wow, what happened? And he said, well, they got really angry and they kicked me out of house, the home. And I'm like, okay. And, he's like, and then I didn't care. So I just I moved in with a friend and I started sharing with all my friends. And they got really angry and they kicked me out of the place I was living. And then I started to share at work and my boss got really angry and he fired me. And he said, for six months I was homeless. All I had was the clothes on my back and my New Testament. And he said, and Jesus was enough for me. And I'm like, who are you? What are you talking about? I was the first Christian he ever met, three years. And Jesus was enough for him as he just sat on the streets reading the New Testament. I'm like, well, what happened then? And he lives in this, it's not a big city, obviously. Um, and so once he became a Christian, everyone knew. And he couldn't get a job. Like he went everywhere. But everyone's like, well, no, you just have to stop being a Christian. We'll give you a job. And he said, I can't do that. And so for six months, it was like that. It's also a very touristy city, as you can see. And so in the summer, they need, there's lots of day labor jobs. You know what I mean? Like there's lots going on. And so he, he got a day labor job, and then he got another one. And, and, and still, like a few years after that, that's how he would work. People would just give him day jobs. But he had enough, and he got an apartment, and his life started to kind of come together, which was super cool. We were chatting. Incredible guy. I talked about baptism with him. He's like, I want to be baptized right there. I'm like, why? And he's like, I want the whole city to see me declare my love for Jesus. I'm like, wow, you're incredible. And then uh, we're about to go. And I said, do you have any prayer requests? And he obviously needs money. I mean, he's broke. So I'm already, do you have any prayer requests? And I'm digging into my wallet already. You know what I mean? Here it comes. And he said, yeah, I got one. I'm like, yeah, it's money, obviously. And he's like, the only thing I want is for there to be a church in my city. I'm like, wow. And I say to him, you know, 
That's a great thing, but the only way that's probably going to happen is if you share who Jesus is with your friends again. And he's like, I don't know if I can do that. It cost me everything when I did that. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like I don't know if I could either. And I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we pray and ask God to show you one of your friends that he's already moving in? And then when you go tell him, it won't be hard because God's already moving in their lives. And he's like, that's a good idea. And I thought, I hope that's a good idea. And so we start to pray, and he's like, I got it. I'm like, okay, God speaks to you better than he speaks to me. Who? He's like, I got this friend. He's a university professor. Well, I'll go talk to him. He's like, can you give me a New Testament, and I'll give it to him as a gift, and then he'll want to read it with me. It's a great, great idea. I give him a New Testament, and we're driving home. And the whole way home, we're praying, God, don't let that be a stupid idea. Please don't let this guy's life go terrible because of this. Two days later, he calls us up. He's like, you never guess what happened. I'm like, please tell me. He's like, well... I was too scared to give the Bible to my friend. And I don't say anything, but in my heart, I'm like, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord you didn't give him that Bible. I was too scared for you to give him that Bible. I'm like, okay, well, what happened? He's like, this morning, that friend called me. And he said to me, do you have a book about how to follow Jesus? (laughs) And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, last night I had a dream. And in my dream, you, Emra, and Jesus were sitting under a tree. And Jesus looked at me and he said, Emra has a book for you about how to follow me. Get it and follow me. So I'm wondering, do you have that book? And Emra's like, I got it two days ago. Yeah, I got it for you. And Emra's talking to us on the phone. He's like, we are sitting in the coffee shop right now and church has started in my city. And we're like, yes. Yeah, that was exciting. You can clap that one. So we're like, well, we're coming out. You know, we'll come out tomorrow. We want to meet you guys. This will be really cool. And the next day we get in our car and we're driving out. And he calls us as we're on the road. He's like, look, I got a job today. And he, he you know, day labor job. He needs money. He's broke. And she's like, sorry, can you come tomorrow or whatever? Because I got to work. Absolutely. And so over the next couple weeks, three weeks, we don't get out there. Every time we plan, he gets a job, which is great. We're glad he can get work, right? And finally he calls us. And he's like, listen, my friend desperately wants to meet you. Can you come? And we're like, yeah, we want to meet him too. And he's like, okay, tomorrow I won't work, okay? Even if I get a job, I'm not going to do it. Just come and meet. We're like, perfect. So we show up at this coffee shop. Us, Amra, his friend, they're sitting there. And we're just chatting. I'm like, tell me about this dream. And he starts telling me the dream. And the details were a little different than the ones I told you. And I thought, that's weird. Because this seemed like really important dream. You know what I mean? Why would the details be a bit different? But whatever, maybe Amra got it wrong because I didn't hear it from him. I heard it, you know, secondhand. So whatever. And then the guy at the end of the dream, he's like, man, the last three days of my life have been different. I said, what are you talking about? Three days? And I look at Amra. I'm like, Amra, you told me he had this dream three weeks ago. And Amra's like, no, 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 no. That's my other friend. I'm like, What? And the friend looks at me and he says, so to become a Christian, do you need to have this dream? I'm like, what are you talking about? Why do you think that? And he's like, well, eight of our friends have now had this dream. And I'm like, I don't believe you. And he's like, well, here's all eight of us, all all ten of us actually, on the seaside this morning reading the word of God. And at that point, they only had two Bibles, the old one that Emmer had got three years previous and the one that we brought for his friend. And we didn't bring any more because we thought we were meeting the friend who got the Bible. 
And we're like, you need more Bibles. And then he, the next day, actually, we were going into this hard lockdown because of COVID. Do you guys remember that? I don't know if you No. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't a thing here. Um, <laughs> and we were like, he was like, oh, it's terrible. We're not going to be able to get together. And we're like, this is amazing. You got to try to take the positives, right? We're like, all your friends, all eight of these guys, they're going to be locked in a house. It was a three-week total lockdown. You couldn't leave your house. And they're going to be locked in there with all their families. So we're like, Emra, why don't you just send them verses every day and they could read with their whole families? And he's like, that's a, that's a great idea. And so they start doing this. At the end of the three weeks, we're like, what's happened? How's it going? I mean, we were texting the whole time, but they get together at the end of three weeks. He's like, well, this morning, there was 24 of us on the beach together. And most of them have had the same dream. Yeah. Can you go ahead one slide? Elijah is a man, a human as we are. And here's normally where I would end this sermon. We're nowhere near done, so don't get excited. But I would end here because, you know, I want to encourage you and be like, listen, you can do it. Like all these stories that happen, like it's just like you. Like, go for it. And some of you, you're really excited. You're like, yeah, God moved, and God can move here, and you get excited, and you're going to go do it. And for, if that's you, you can just stop. That's the end for you. But I assume there's a number of you that hear these stories, and you're thankful for them, but you're also like, well, that's the most discouraging thing I've ever heard, because God doesn't do that through me. And now you start sort of lying to yourself. You're like, well, Danny's obviously a holy guy. Well, thank you. It's obviously not true, and I tried to start that with this. But you read this verse and you don't believe it. What I want to tell you is we can curate our lives. I can show you a part of life. And it's not a lie. It's true. But it's not the whole truth. It's easy to do. Especially in a talk up here. I mean, you guys don't know me. You guys are never going to meet Emra and Ozger and Ferdi. You're never going to meet them. I could just lie about their lives. I didn't. But I also didn't tell you the whole truth. You see, if I told you the, the whole story, all those stories are a mess. So the Osger, you remember the guy, he was the first guy that baptized a guy? The first multiplication step, the one we were so excited about? Remember that guy? Osger, he, uh, he sends me the text. I just baptized my friend and literally we're jumping up and down. It's happening. It started. Multiplication has happened. And about 30 seconds later, ding, my phone bings. I look down, it's Oscar again. I'm so excited. I'm like, yes, what else is, tell me. And he's like, his text says, does it count if we were drunk when we did that? Uh, Pastor Steve? I didn't know how to answer that question. The Bible doesn't cover that. Can I just say this? This is the first time multiplication is happening and they did it drunk. And I'm like, why would you do this like this? He's like, well, we were scared. We didn't know what to do, so we just started drinking. I'm like, bad idea. And then he's like, and then we got some courage. And I'm like, so you decided to hop in the Mediterranean Sea drunk? He's like, yeah. Not only that, but after they baptized, after he baptized them, they're like, let's get Jesus tattoos. And they had no money, so like, let's just give it to each other. So they tattooed crosses on each other. They don't look like crosses. They were drunk. It's a mess. 
I don't, he's like, does it count? I'm like, I don't know. And that's the best one of these three. You ready for the next two? <laughs> Faraday, you remember him? He's the guy that cast the demon out over face, FaceTime. He's the guy that all he wanted for 11 years was to be baptized. I never baptized him. Yeah. That's okay. That's true. He did say to me, that's all I've ever wanted. I did say to him I could do it. I did. And he's like, please. And I said, let's go over some baptism stuff. I just want to see if you know what this is all about, right? As you do. And we started doing some baptism classes just like, you know, on Zoom and stuff like that because we lived in different cities. And I visited him a number of times. And eventually he met a girl. And uh, she didn't love Jesus. And he loved her. And so he decided just to walk away. And he moved to a different city to be with her a long ways from where I lived. And the truth is I haven't talked to him in over a year. I've tried. I've reached out to him to say, like, man, I love you, and it's okay. And, and listen, Jesus loves you. He's now married to this woman. So I'm like, Jesus loves your wife as well. Please know that. But he just doesn't reply to my texts. Remember Emra? I mean, 23 of his friends have dreams about Jesus. It's a movement for Christ, right? I haven't talked to him in at least eight months. He just stopped returning my calls. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. Like, well, I've tried everything to get a hold of this guy. I mean, we, obviously he has my number saved in his phone. I would get friends of mine who he'd never met to call him because, you know, I just want to see if he's okay or what's happened. And, and my friends would be like, hey, and he would pick up the phone when they would call him. And they'd be like, hey, I'm friends with Danny. And he would just hang up the phone. I've sent him messages that were like, listen, you know, when you're working interculturally, you can do things wrong. And you don't mean to, but like cultures sometimes butt heads and they don't uh, always mesh. And so I'm like, listen, maybe I've offended you. I don't know how. I don't know what's happened, but I'm sorry. Like, please, I just want to hang out with you. No reply. All 23 of those guys, we've met one of them. I don't even know how much of that's actually true, that story that I told. I think it's true. Like he sent me lots of pictures of them reading the word of God together, but I don't know that it's true. Oh, the stories took an interesting spin, didn't they? And what I would say is Elijah is a man like you, like Ferdi, like Emra, like Osger, and like me, which is to say he's a mess. Life's messy. Life's messy. As I was thinking this thought through, I read another verse. You want to go next? It's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says this, for you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And I'm trying to reconcile these ideas because I look at my life, to be honest with you, I look at my friends' lives and I think there's no masterpiece here. In fact, all I see is a mess. And I started trying to think about what is a masterpiece. Any you guys like fiction, reading fiction, fictional books? You ever read a book like this? Hey, there's a guy, he's really good looking, and he's popular, and he's got lots of money. And then chapter two, hey, he got better looking, and he got some more money and more friends, and then he got married to a beautiful woman. Chapter three, they had some lovely kids, never anything wrong with them. And chapter four, and he died happy. 
That's a terrible book. Not a masterpiece. Do you know what a masterpiece is? Hey, there's this person, probably decent, whatever, and conflict and pain and mess and redemption. That's a masterpiece, isn't it? You watch a movie. If a movie just was good, you're like, oh, Kirk Cameron made this movie. I mean, we all love Kirk Cameron. Don't get me wrong. But if you're watching a masterpiece, it's a mess, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's terrible. It's gritty and it's gross sometimes. And you want to even look away. But then you're like, how can good come out of this? That's a masterpiece. You ever looked at a masterpiece, a work of art that's just a masterpiece? You know, they, they like x-ray art. I don't know how this works. So. But they like look underneath the art and see. And lots of times there's like paintings under the paintings. Did you know that? Like the artist like is painting stuff. And he's like, I hate it. And it's a mess. And he paints this thing over and over again. No, it's terrible. And eventually out of that comes a masterpiece. Without mess, there's no masterpiece. I believe this. Amra, Osger, Ferdi, these guys are changing Turkey forever. They're just not yet. They're just a mess right now. And, and why do I believe that? Because the whole Bible is structured this way. I mean, every character apart from Jesus in the Bible is a disaster. You know what I mean? Forget masterpiece. They're a disaster piece, right? Like David. Hey, King David, we love him. He's great. He's a rapist and a murderer. I got serious. Hey, Moses, oh, the greatest leader in the history of the world, a murderer. Oh, that, they're just Old Testament characters. I mean, well, let's get to the New Testament. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Paul. We only wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but he was killing Christians. Well, that's before he met Jesus. Okay, Peter, he's the guy that the very church is built on. This guy's a racist. Like, he's super racist. He does stuff, and then he acts one way in front of one group of people. And Paul's like, what are you doing? You're being a ra- This is the guy the church is built on. The whole church is a mess. And God's like, this is how I build my masterpiece. Any of you got kids that like to draw? My son loves to draw. I hang it on our fridge, whatever he does. And I love it. And sometimes I'm like, what is it? But it's a masterpiece to me. Do you know what I mean? This is God looking at your life. I love it. You're my masterpiece. Let me just paint a little here. There's a woman. Her name is Ruth Osterman. She has a website called Mummy Shorts. And her daughter did all of these pictures. So her daughter's two or three years old, okay? And she takes these pictures and she does this. You want to go to the next slide? She takes that and makes it that. If I just saw the picture on the right, I'd be like, yeah, it's pretty good. But when you see the story of the picture, you're like, that is amazing. You want to go next? Look at that. You're like, wow, how did she get that out of that? Like this is, I mean, I don't know her daughter, but her daughter has no talent. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) She's two or three. It's okay. We can say that. Look what mom did. You want to go next? This is, this one I cut off the bottom. That's why it's a little different shapes. But look at that. You want to go next? These are masterpieces. Why? Because they came from that. Elijah was a man like you. A mess. A disaster. 
couldn't get it together. And God's like, yep, that's my boy. I'm going to turn this into a masterpiece. You hear these stories of God moving, you're like, God would never do that. You don't know me, Danny. You don't know what a mess I am. And I'm like, you're right, I don't. God does and he loves it. And he's going to put it on his fridge and he's going to take it from that and make it into that. This is the God we serve. He loves redemption. He loves it. Can I read you that scripture one more time? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For you, it says we. Hear this, for you are God's masterpiece. All your mess, all your warts, all your ugliness. And God says, you are my masterpiece. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that the Bible doesn't hide the mess that people make, but it actually accentuates it. It points it out. It's like, look at the mess these people are because it becomes so relatable to me, a mess. Thank you that I'm your masterpiece, even though I don't feel like it at all. I pray that the reality of that statement would sink into our hearts. We are your masterpiece. We are created to do good works in Christ Jesus. We are created anew, and you've planned good things for us to do long ago. Help us to know it's true. We're your masterpiece. We love you, Lord. Amen. Pastor Steve.